We're so cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're so cool, cool. We're so cool, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, too. Cool schmuck. There's one thing that I find refreshing about Gone Home. It's it's just all all the natural photography. Cuz if there's one there's one thing that you got to appreciate in the 90s, it's uh that nobody's taking selfies. That the selfie thing is just not a thing. <laughs> um and you know what? We just had this conversation the other day. Um like I was I was out and about with some friends and it was the three of them together taking taking a picture but one of them was holding the camera so they they did like a selfie angle and i'm like standing right there and i kept thinking i'm like dude if this was like 12 years ago one of these motherfuckers would have asked me to just take the picture of them for them but no it, it's just i don't know it, it, it's almost like it's become ingrained like it's second nature and, and then it made me laugh about another thing there were people that strictly went to disneyland making a living off of taking other families' photos for them. Like, where are those fucking people now? I, I, we go to Cedar Point, which is like the Midwest Disneyland, and and Cedar Point they still do that, but I, I think everyone just kind of like ignores them or walks past them, acts like they're <laughs> not there. You know, it's pretty terrible. Cedar oh, Point yeah, is. I, I would think Cedar, they're uh, they're more or less a casual a casualty of time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a uh, you know um, payphones. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're the exactly, payphones of people yeah payphones and those people that used to like plan your vacations and stuff like that travel like, agents had, travel agency people used to have to go travel agents and i don't think they do that anymore i think they still do that but for like cruises okay yeah that makes sense yeah that's what they do they take the technology out of their hands and make it obsolete by forcing them into the middle of the fucking ocean mm-hmm. that's pretty if, much uh, if anything else gone home reminded me that people used to do collages no one does collages anymore. It's kind of a shame. Gone Home kind of reminded me that Portland has not changed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I guess if you went to Portland now, you probably still would see collages and people taking Polaroid photos of each other. Oh I man, hope. Uh, totally reminded me too. Uh, completely forgot that like during like the commentary and whatnot, and like behind the scenes at the studio over at Fulbright, that uh, when they were just walking around in uh, Portland, Chris Remo just stops and starts playing a bunch of the original score for Gone Home on this fucking piano that says play me. I don't see a whole lot of that. Hmm. Generally, when you see a piano in other western metropolitan areas like Seattle or San Francisco, you either assume that A, it's attached to some sort of event going on, or B, that a homeless person lives in it and is using it as a home. If it was around here, someone would try to steal it and sell it for meth. (laughs) Oh, let's press pause radio. Hey, happy times. Yeah, we're doing a games club. If you guys uh, haven't noticed, we're doing it on uh, Gone Home. It's uh, one of my favorite games from 2013. And if you're like me and everybody else and you've played it and you're listening to this podcast with us, we'd love to talk about why we like this game. So, uh, yeah, let's start. Let's roll that theme music.
All right. Well, I am esteemed to have. I've been. I've been fucking trying to get this guy on the show. I don't know how long, you guys. Like so long. I was uh, so I when when you guys were talking, I was like desperately going on Twitter to find out when your first contact with me was about this, um, <laughs> because stupid Twitter like won't show you anything past like sixty days or whatever it is. Like I, I hate it, but I think it's been like over a year at least, right? Yeah, it, it has been. I think, uh, like, I think it was when we first physically met at like PAX, and I was no, just like, it was oh, before yeah. that. It was before that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. It was definitely one of the points because I remember I hit you up after um, you did one of your mor- morning project podcasts. I'm like, dude, when are you going to come on my show? Because no, cause you, you tweeted me and you're like, hey, can you follow me so I can send you something? And I didn't know who you were. And, and then I, I followed you. And then I'm like, I, I decided I had no idea who you were. And all I knew was like your, your nickname on like Twitter. So I'm asking you like, are you trying to sell me like Axe body spray or something like that? Is that why you're like I contacting me? Yeah, I so. really, I really hope that's your career one day. <laughs> I hate you both. <laughs> yeah, so that was actually the first time. That was way before we even met at PAX. This is true. Yes, I do remember that. I do remember that. And what's funny is, uh, and then we still have that Photoshop that Sarah did of Axe deodorant. I actually, I don't think oh, I've yeah. actually thrown that up on the show notes. Got to do that. Retro, um, retro sent Georgie boys Axe. Mm-hmm. I could only imagine because, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I I feel like half of a man if I don't get like Old Spice's Fox Crest, and I started to lose my shit at the thought of it getting replaced because all I see is like this wolf thorn shit now. And then I found Fox Crest, and I everything was happy and right with the world again. And this Wolf's, episode, Wolf Thorn, makes me itch like nothing else. I had no. I always forget what kind of deodorant. I always think that you guys have like specific Canadian deodorant. Because you guys, like, you guys get like this whole different view of of I don't know. I I not, just feel like not there's... really. Uh, in terms of actual product lines, uh, our our deodorant is very very close to you guys's. I I just feel like you guys are the ones that invented musk. So I feel like. Do you have so do you sure, have but... do you have like Tim Hortons deodorant? Because all I hear is everything about Canada is Tim Hortons. <laughs> No, actually, uh, Tim Hortons is owned by an American company now. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn. That's got to sting. Yeah, that's no good, man. Eh, you know, uh, the, the coffee has kind of been on the decline anyway. I, right, I don't know. Right in the fields. I love how we were trying to introduce Shidoshi, <laughs> and, and it went into deodorant <laughs> and Tim Hortons. So that's that happens a lot, though. That that's yeah, on par that's... for the course of the show normally. <laughs> um, right. but yeah. I'm finally glad that we got Sadosh on, which, you know, hopefully he'll come back on soon. <laughs> I've never come on again. This, this is your one shot to have me, so you better make it count. That's all I'm Man, saying. Yeah, see, just like every other person we <laughs> ask onto the show, every yeah. time. <laughs> no, sure no, you're, word. <laughs> no I, I feel really guilty that it's been taking this long, because I, I had promised you way back when that I would come on. Um, but, it, look, to be fair, I had to actually listen to your podcast first, and it took a little while to get around to doing that, you know? So now that I finally heard it, I agreed to come on. You surprisingly and... agreed to come on. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no one's done that before, honestly. Yeah, everybody usually takes a gamble. I'm like, sure, why not? And then, I don't know, Shane won't return my calls. Oh, no. no. <laughs> bad, bad idea. <laughs> no, actually, Shane's talking about coming on again. Um, but that's, that's a whole different show. Oh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll... <laughs> right? Yeah, um, well, we definitely appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we don't scare you too much. 
No. Yeah. Not no. Too I just. Often. I hope I can add to this conversation. Uh, yeah. Because it's it's been a while since I played the game we're talking about, but we'll we'll see. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It's not hard to contribute to our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> just if you, if you something random to talk about it, yeah. <laughs> so of course on the show you have yours truly. Then we've got my better half, Andrew, and then my my conscience and and the man who steers me clear from all the wrong decisions that normally uh, plop into my noggin. We've got Sarah. These two half. Sayer, the life coach. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That's Can we make title. that a 3DS game? Can we do yeah. that? <laughs> Sayer, the life coach. I, oh. I want your title to be uh, uh, director of creative content slash life coach. Life coach. And yes. then, no, no, no. And then we, we, we get him to look like Doc from Punch-Out! And we get him to subscribe to our <laughs> newsletter that, like, never comes out. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Maybe I'll get that. I'd be fine with that. This is great. Mm-hmm. All right, right. train's coming. The fucking train. That train every um, time. Yeah, get, get used yeah. To that. Andrew lives next to train tracks, and apparently the he, the conductor only pulls the horn when he's going by Andrew's intersection. So yeah, the uh, last episode I was listening to uh, from you guys was your uh, countdown of the best of the year, and uh-huh. I heard the whole fun part about the train kind of <laughs> interrupting every time. Oh yeah, we hate that thing. I just I just hope someday we really truly get to express it. Um, but yeah. Allegedly, Ohio is made of train tracks so. and corn and corn. Yes. Yeah. Corn, right. corn train in, tracks in made tracks. Of, of corn um, Corn tracks corn, that I would eat that snack. I would fucking eat that snack if you back like right a now. pretty delicious snack, doesn't it? Yeah. So speaking of snacks and subliminal marketing and, and all the other things that we miss from the 90s, let's let's dive into some gone home. Let's do that. anything i think the the one thing really didn't get to touch on with uh with our video companion is um how do you guys feel about this game being 1999 did that did that ever become an issue at some point with you guys well it was 95 wasn't it it was 95 wasn't it yeah no okay hold on 1999 how much it is to spend money on oh the Ghana. price <laughs> the price not the oh, year oh. <laughs> got i got you, you. I, I i understand what you were going for so uh the, yeah, the, I don't. The, the, the the manufacturer suggested retail price yeah manufacturer suggested retail 1999 plus tax got you got you mm-hmm. okay um i got it on sale but honestly had i known how much i enjoyed it when I played it, I would have gladly paid the full price. I really would have. And and I, I guess I never heard this argument or this debate on the price point on the game. I, I've always kind of ruled out price as more of an entertainment value. You know, if I go and see a two hour long movie and I pay, you know, like around here, it's like, you know, eight to ten dollars a ticket. So, you know, for a two hour movie, I pay ten dollars. If it's OK, I'm like, eh. It was good, you know, but if it was bad, I'm like, well, that sucks. And then I move on. Like, it's never been a huge issue. You know, I think if you get so much entertainment per hour, there's, you know, if there's a price tag attached to that. Like, you know, if I want to pay $10 for an hour worth of content, it's good. 
Like, I'm okay with paying that. I do it for movies. I do it for a lot of other things. So why should games, you know, be any different? You know, I mean, and and like, honestly, we've seen you and heard about you. How many times you've played this game? You obviously got in your mind's worth if you've played through it mm-hmm. so many times. Like, like I was, I went through it very meticulously, so it wasn't exactly like you went through it in, in like in the video companion. What like forty nine minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was. It took me like five hours to get through mm-hmm. the main thing, right? Yeah. And I did, yeah. but I didn't even find it as much as as uh, as you had pointed out. So Same I don't know. Like, given that there's more for me to find and more for me to just kind of uh, soak into my brain, I'd say that twenty dollars. It's fair, but not as fair as I like. I'd like it to be, you know. It it's funny, yeah, because like the only other game that I've ever seen get so much flack for its price was Limbo when it released. And funny mm, enough, that was yeah. their very first Games Club, too. Um, Even then, that seems awkward. Like I, I mean, I guess what was like their main complaint about the price? Like, what was their main point for for saying that? Well, the main thing was that it was twelve hundred Microsoft price point, where at a time when the standard game was eight hundred points. I yeah. see. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, but like it with was Gone the, Home, it was I, the first, I, really. Yeah. Yeah, but then with Gone Home, I just don't see what their main point would have been. Like, I, I, I guess if you did play through it relatively quickly, like if you can actually go through and do it within an hour, you're still not experiencing the whole game. Like, there's so many yeah. different things that you could have found that you didn't, and I, I think that's. I appreciate that because it doesn't hit you over the head with, hey, you better go back and find that. Like, you need this. Like, they let you tell the story you want to tell. Like, you'll eventually get to the same outcome. But there's so many other stories that are, you know, kind of running parallel with the main story of Sam that you can get a lot more out of it. You know, yeah. if, if, you, if you take the time to really pay attention and look through things. And like Sarah was being very meticulous about checking every item. Like, you sometimes have to check items once or twice or check areas once or twice, you know, to get the full you know, just of what's going on. And I think, uh, I think the main thing though, about the price that a lot of people are getting sort of, uh, pissed off at mm-hmm. is that it's, it's because retail is so competitive now that price drops are so, uh, and price drops are so, so, bleh, so forthcoming that like you get games like dark souls, for example, that, you know, they're long ass games and they've got so much gameplay to them and they're 20 bucks. Or this game, which I guess in in theory doesn't have nearly as much gameplay as that, or like um, or any other game that's dropped down to like twenty bucks over the last however many years that happens to have a perceived amount of gameplay that is greater than that of Gone Home. I think that's the main reason why people are kind of like, oh, I don't want to pay twenty dollars for this. I, I think I think we're at a point where just price is really confusing, and I don't. I, I think that we don't know. Like we got we got really mixed up on what we're supposed to expect for a certain price because I mean I think if I think back to the NES days, you know I don't remember I mean granted I was a child but I don't remember that much difference in pricing between games and so you have like a Metal Gear or a Metroid costing the exact same uh, amount as a Clue Clue Land or Tapu the Sixth Sense you know back then there was mm-hmm. a set price for games and you just paid it and you just found out whatever the experience was that you got um. But because of, you know, last generation we had <clears throat> the downloadable space really take off on consoles. We have it now on, on portables. We have indie games. We have iOS games. We have Steam sales. We have so many different places where we have these variable pricing that we're, it's, it's, it's just really hard to figure out at this point 
what is a game worth, you know, and and how do we price a game? I mean, you mentioned Dark Souls a second ago. You know, I, I ended up putting in, I think, like 105 hours in that game when I finished. Uh, and so even for like 60 bucks, that was a fantastic deal. Same with yeah. a, a Persona 4 Golden. I, Persona 4 and Persona 3 both, I spent over 100 hours playing those games. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got way more than my money's worth. Um, but then, you know, like a Pac-Man CE... I spent five bucks on that game, I believe, when I when I picked it up, and I've probably put in a hundred hours in that game too. Um, when when I got gone home, I I got it at a point where I had heard so much about the game, and I had heard so many people saying you need to play this that it was kind of a point where okay, I'm just going to buy it, and whatever the price is when I buy it is just what I get it for, and. Yeah. I, I th- believe like I had on sale for like $10 or something like that. I want to say it was half off. I, I can't be certain because I, I think after that there was actually during Black Friday or Christmas or whatever, there was a $5 sale on it because um, I knew that was cheaper than what I paid for it. But I think that it's tough because the part of me really wants to say that if I had paid $20 for this game, I might be a little upset that I had paid that. And I hate I hate that I'm saying that, but mm. I almost want to say I think this is a $15 game. And and like I said, it's tough because, you know, creators shouldn't have to say, is my game a $10 game? Is it a $15 game? You know, I mean, there has to be flexibility there. But I think we're, we are at this weird point where we're still figuring price out and we do have a $10 versus $15, even though it's a $5 difference. There's a huge divide in what we expect from those two experiences. Well, I mean, anybody, especially when we live in such a consumers-driven society, I wouldn't say just in the U.S., but just in this day and age, like, people just, they love them bargains. They love them extreme couponing. I mean, $5 to me and you, it's funny what people will value at $5 versus something else. Like, I think the most asinine arguments are people just honestly just, just debating on whether or not they can drop two dollars on an ios game and you can only imagine what kind of man hours that that game demanded in development and the fact that these people like you know they release their hard work to a to a fucking community that's debating two dollars over whether or not it's warranted and and you're right i mean there's a part of us where i don't even think it's i i don't know if it's definitely not cultural but there there's just something within this generation where we've we've earned a certain amount of entitlement that we we as a community influence more decisions i mean look at again and i want to say that with with the way with the influence that we have towards things like uh bioware you know elaborating additional content on mass effect for example not really a money thing but to the point where like consumer entitlement and especially with this vocal as a community is the video game playing community in in the power of social media of word of mouth of rapport i mean all these things play factors into you know where exactly you know you're going to take anything including price i mean and especially like that's the the free form management of something like you know independent games especially on the pc is that's all dictated by the developer especially if they self-publish i mean you know we see a bunch of indie games finally hitting the market but with sony and microsoft completely running dictation on, on when they get sales and when they don't i mean i don't know that it, it's it's sort of a hand in hand because when when you when you let that kind of 
when you let somebody publish for you, I mean, either way, you're still getting a return on revenue back for, for everything that you've kind of put on to it to some extent because the publisher's back in the bill. But when you self-publish, you, if anything, you've got nothing but the, uh, the, the direct feedback that the community that will buy your game will give you. So, I mean, I, I understand that it's, it's that entitlement. I think it's almost become second nature. I mean, this is an expensive hobby. And granted, you know, we don't, we want to make this hobby, we kind of straddle the line between like, if you don't like it, get out versus no, I promise you'll like it. Just come on in. Come on. We've, we've got, we've got fun. We've got enjoyment. Come on, get, get yourself comfortable. So you kind of straddle that line when somebody, you know, vocalizes any discourse. Me personally, I've, you guys mentioned, I've gotten plenty of content out of Gone Home. Mm-hmm. I, I would have spent, you know, I, but at the same time. I had the privilege of seeing it before it was released. I had the privilege of following it. I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to really, like, I could describe this game to you, but, like, even the trailer and whatnot, like, it has a very, I wouldn't say humble, but it has a very minimal presentation marketing-wise. I mean, this game, you know, Sadosh bought it just because it was word of mouth. People, like, colleagues that he trusted purchased it. I've told you guys this. I mean... You, I, I reviewed it. It was one of the few perfect scores I gave out of last year's releases between Last of Us and Gone Home. I think those are the two games that I that I gave a perfect score to. Like, it, it, it's it's really one of those things that you know it it, it let it, it lets the game spe- the game speaks for itself to warrant its worth. But yeah, I mean we're still really stuck in that weird area. To where, I mean, had we not had this context to really support that, like, would we would we go out and make that impulse buy? Fuck, dude, like, impulse buy is, like, is that even a thing anymore in 2014, especially? Everybody, like, goes it's, it's out of the tough. way to educate themselves. Yeah, it's, it's tough because it, we, we're, there's so much saturation out there of everything. I mean, you know, again, to go back to NES for a second, I remember just, I would go to a store and I would... In that day, a game would appear on a shelf and that's the first time you would ever know about it. And you're like... Oh, that, that that box art's awesome. What is this game? I'm gonna buy it, you know. But but now we know so much about games, but um but there is still like I, I don't know how this would work at all. Like this is like a dumb thing I'm gonna uh, suggest, but I almost feel like I wish there was a way to pay for games after you've played them. Um because I have a I have a colleague at work who hated Gone Home. He hated it. Absolutely positively just could not stand the experience. Uh, and if he had paid twenty dollars, he would have felt so ripped off, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think twenty dollars is at that point where it's it's almost not that impulse buy anymore. I think because I was just gonna say this is this is again kind of dumb, but when you're talking iOS, I think ninety nine cents for me is an impulse buy. But as soon as it gets to one ninety nine, even though it's only one dollar <laughs> difference, yeah, it's not like, an impulse like, buy I, anymore. I, I like, gotta think about this. <laughs> yeah, like hmm, I'm gonna read these reviews and see what they're saying about this. You know, and it's dumb, but that's the way our brains work. Um, I wish there was maybe a way. it's a prime number thing yeah. that's subconsciously built because I realize like, oh, this is fifteen dollars. Wait, twenty bones. Hold the phone. Well, but I mean, that, that, that's <laughs> why everything is fourteen ninety nine instead of fifteen because that that one difference in the main number you know, mentally makes us think it's cheaper. But I just wish there was some legitimate way we could pay for games after we played them because, you know, there are games I've bought for $60 I would not pay 60 bucks for, but versus, you know, games I pay 10 bucks for that I would have paid 20 or 30 for. Like, like it's, it's pricing's weird. Pricing's weird, and I don't know how we fix it. And yet. you know what? That system, the system of demos, 
work, but like Gone Home, okay, and see, I did a preview of Gone Home like last year at GDC. It was one of the IGF uh, entries that I, I played, and it was I, and I was exemplar. Like I, I I made it a point. I'm like, hey, this is the game that most impressed me. And to be honest, the only thing that I had to go off of it at the moment, like I didn't have all that context. I just knew, a you know, I was coming home from abroad, my family's missing. Like, the game is very suggestive in these ominous overtones that, funny enough, reveal themselves in completely different ways when you actually play the game. But Gone Home isn't a game you can demo. Like, yeah. there's there's plenty of games that just like, you know, they don't they don't exactly fit the criteria to where you can have a short experience of them and see demos. You know, used to be that. Another example, and, you know, if Stevie was on the show, he'd scream murder. But, like, the one indie darling that I can't really, like, I don't, it's dumb to me. And I, I, I get it. Like, people telling me that I don't get it, I'm like, no, no, I get it. Um, it's just dumb. Uh, it's a Stanley Parable. And, like, that was a game they couldn't, uh, it's fucking, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, you can't. You can't really uh, demo it, so they actually had to, you know, construct a demo of its own accord just so they can, you know, display the concept of it. And I don't think the concept really. I mean, it's fun for for some aspect, but I I wouldn't pay fifteen dollars for it. And I still stand that if you guys really the most fun you can have out of Stanley Perbabro is the demo. Like, I, I think it'd be dumb to spend fifteen dollars on that mess. But see, we've run, we've hit a wall now to where. You know, we we are going about our games in such a way that they require they demand investment. But, you know, just because something demands investment doesn't mean it's going to be good. So most people aren't even patient. They just they want the guns. They want the shooting. They want the fighting, the kicking, the blood, the crying. They want it now. So um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're going with that situation. I couldn't I don't think that's I don't know. I don't know how that would be feasible because, you know, I feel like that would put already the uh, very tumultuous uh, fucking line of work for game development uh, in in a hole that it really can't afford to be in. But I don't know. It, that that just kind of goes into different politics. Like me personally, I think publishers and development it 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 it, it costs way more than I think it needs to to produce something. Like okay, I okay. Still... How, how, how about this? How about this? How about Gone Home? 95% of the game's free. You get it you get it for free, but to see the ending you get to pay 20 bucks. They did that. They did it called Asura's Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> see, I haven't played that yet, so I, I, I can't well, appreciate the joke, I guess. I, okay, so I don't want to spoil this for you, but I mean, it's not an ending. I won't spoil an ending thing, but to get the real ending, the real ending's downloadable content. Ah, uh, okay. I Honestly, in that situation, I definitely would have because I remember playing through and we kind of talked about a little bit before when we were watching the playthrough, like going into the attic, like I had an assumption of what was going on and, and they kind of steer you towards that. Like, you know, they keep on alluding to, you know, we're finally going to do it. Tonight's the night, you know, it's all going to be over. And like, they're alluding to something and like, and like how, like, like my heart was beating out of my chest almost. Like, yeah. it was like you, you knew kind of what was going to happen, but you still had to know. And, and yeah, if they would have said, well, you pay for the ending, granted, maybe not the best business model, but I would have paid it. And actually to get the ending and, and you kind of talk about the, you know, the, the subject on value or like if it's worth the money, you know, the feeling I had at the ending of that game and like how I feel afterwards, I would have gladly paid the full price and, and, and probably more so. 
just, just just how I felt at the ending, like to find that, you know, that that light at the end of the tunnel to see how it all plays out. You know, that was a pretty awesome experience, the ending. And mm. maybe it's me being cheesy. I don't know. But like it really got to me like and it really made me feel a lot of different kinds of emotions. Um, Unfortunately, it's like, for that money, like, I, to, I would go with it to the lay person. I mean, because YouTube exists, that might not be especially effective. And, and just to be clear, I, yeah. I actually don't want that just to be a possibility. I mean, I no. I, yeah. I think it would no. be terrible for game industry, but, you know. Yeah, but I, I get what you mean, though. We still, we haven't perfected that yet. And Gone Home stands as one of those weird examples. But, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, that's, that's the one credit I'll definitely give the video game community. Uh, you know, be it journalists, you know, journos, fucking players, just anybody involved with the industry folk. I mean... Everybody's vocal in in spreading that message and really like the fact that there's I don't know there there's a rapport that you can associate with certain players giving certain opinions like anytime I need something on a shoot 'em up or anything like that I will always reference Sarah or I'll ask him about it even if I won't agree with him I always take his opinion into consideration I mean you kind of have that just like any other media and, you know, it, it, there's still there's always a, a sense of impulse that you're just going to have to put the risk out for. But, yeah, I just found it really odd because there and again, just like uh, Sadosh mentioned there, there are people out there. They've played it and did not like it. They're weird, but I respect them being mm. weird um, <laughs> just because they have a completely I don't know. Um, I guess the other big taboo before we really get into that, that sirloin. Um, all right. Gone Home's a game. I don't want to fundamentally break down some ar arbitrary formula, but at some point, you know, I was experiencing something bigger than objectives, but nonetheless, I had objectives. Nonetheless, I had different ways to go about the game, and I got to get, I, I got more out of the game because I invested more out of a game. I think that's something that's universal with all games. I mean, there's always these hidden objectives or whatnot. What makes Gone Home different to me is the sense of organic structure that did not lead to me. I mean, I didn't have like some sort of menu. I didn't have anything like a list of secret chivos or, or any like waypoint markers or anything. I was left to my own devices. I, I read, I took, I got audio logs and I explored and it's fascinating to me that, like I said, you guys were surprised with how much I was able to show you. I guarantee there's still more that I could find that I still haven't found. You know, I choose I could I could possibly look up a fax and just try to get some stuff that I know I haven't found. But just the fact that I can go back to this game every now and again. I don't know if James was here, especially it'd be funny because it a lot of the reason why I love Gone Home are a lot of the reasons why I love Shenmue in, in, in that natural sense of just being able to interject yourself in and out of this world that's completely built. It's a very secluded world. It doesn't attempt to appeal to anyone directly and instead tries to appeal to sensibilities that people would relate to personally. And then it pulls you in that way. That if, if uh, I to cut you off, I, um, if, if gone home had a score and for every little piece of the story you found, every little secret, you got another point on your score would people not be having this argument? <laughs> so kind of game like gaming it up more than what it may already be. Right. Because I mean, I, I, you know, I, like, I, we, we I, I think a point. percentage would be more of a, a system that would be probably a little, uh, 
easier to sadly head around like you know getting getting points is too arbitrary if you got like a completion percentage or you know like if steam did have achievements for it you know like that was the one thing i did notice i was playing it on steam and there weren't any achievements i was like huh and like actually had that feeling for a moment of i just played through an amazing game like for me personally a great experience you know something that i think is a testament to storytelling in games and that's just me you know personally saying that i think they did a lot with so little and then my heart kind of sank a little bit as I finished. I was like, what? No achievements? I, I, I didn't get anything on Steam? That's that's, that's kind of sucky. Okay. But like, you know, then I kind of pushed it to the side. But like to have that response kind of only tells us how much, you know, we think like what a game should be. Like a game should have trophies and achievements and, and, and all this other stuff. And I, I kind of wish that wasn't the case. I remember playing games just to have fun and enjoyed the experience. It wasn't about, you know, trying to get trophies or achievements. But that's just the kind of game culture that we're in now. You know, that's I, I, a, I think a very it does that in a completely different way, though. It really mm. like, for example, there are two really gamey ass game secrets. And again, I I didn't really elucidate too much on it uh, with you guys, you know, on the video companion. It's going to be at the end of the video companion. But, you know, the fact that at some point somebody discovered a purple ball in the garage did everything they could to knock it down and there's actual game mechanics involved that I, I demonstrated that so essentially I tried to knock it down with a ketchup bottle ketchup bottle don't fly very far however the thing that flies the farthest when you throw it and gone home is the milk carton not jug the expired ass milk carton and when you throw that it fucking you might as well be just fucking straight Colin Kaepernick fucking blasting through an arm and yeah knock down that ball then, depending on how good your no, like you know, your memory is of traveling the house, you'll notice that there's a door basketball hoop on the back of Sam's door. So you can only put two and two together. I mean, that alone, that's a very gamey thing. It's, it's something that telegraphs like, huh, purple basketball. I mean, it could have been any other ball, but it's a purple basketball that has, you know, matching colors with her hoop. I mean... There are always gamey Easter eggs in, in everything that we found, but I think... The beauty behind it is, again, there was no illusion to it. And games in the 90s always had these gamey-ass Easter eggs that people just talked about through word of mouth or you found out about in magazines, like tips and tricks. I, I think, if anything, there are still points of it that hearken to, you know, that that completionist and players when they play a game, but it's completely indirect. Indirect in the way it used to be, you know? But games also, back in the day, did have a direction with score and, you know, charts and shit like that. So, I, I don't know. I Like I said, I, I completely didn't notice, you know, the completion. If anything, there, there is a way where you know that there's more journals you can get to, because you can go back and listen to them. And the fact that you see more real estate on the menu screen for more journal entries kind of gives you a hint. Oh, maybe I can get more. Because, you know, you almost kind of want to associate that mentality. Like, that doesn't look like that screen could be filled up all the way. You know what I mean? Just like, it's like when you see a roster for a fighting game and you see, like, a missing grid. Yeah. So, I, no, you know. It, it, yeah, we just have to get over this whole concept of what a game is. I mean, like I said, you know, it, it used to be score way back in the day. And that would be a very easy way to say, okay, now this is a game because we have a score all of a sudden. Even if that score was arbitrary and meaningless. Um but you know i i i like the fact that we don't know what a game is you know because that means that our hobby is becoming more diversified 
and we're trying more things. You know, I, I mean, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, like, like that's not a traditional game. That even, that even harkens back to um, all the treasure game that I've totally blanked on right now, where it was all just boss fights. You know, uh, there, there every was, treasure like, game. No. <laughs> but there was the one with the character that the bird, the bird guy. Oh, fuck that game. Oh yeah, the yeah. Alien soldier. Yes, yes. So oh, I, remember, no. I remember back when they came out, like that was a little weird because it was like, wait, it's only boss fights. There's no levels. There's no like little, you know, lava stage and minecart stage or whatever. Um, you know, so we're getting more and more to this like, question of like what games are and what they're supposed to be, and that's that's good, you know. Um, that that's that's awesome. I think. Mm. Uh, anyway, you said Alien Soldier. George just kind of shut down. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's nice when you get to, you know, kind of branch out and do things differently with games, but you, you can also fuck up doing that. <laughs> Case oh, yeah, absolutely. Ah, the can of worms I'll ignore. Um, So what was another point on, on Gone Home? Because I know we kind of alluded to it the last time we recorded. There was another topic. Um, No, we kind of touched on, more, like, all of it within the video, but I, you know, I really wanted to flesh out. I mean... There was there was more that was going on with Janice's affair, for example, because none of it was physical, but there was definitely an emotional affair. There's another dude by the name of Bruce that you'll also see uh, mm. some talk about. But there's Bruce Pendleton and then Rick. And Ranger which, Rick. Bruce? Which one's Bruce? Uh, that oh, oh was, it, it was like hit her like superior, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. I remember now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there's one thing that you, like, really kind of see the divide. It's one of the very first things you can find once you, if you make a beeline to the right at the dresser, is uh, you can see the uh, distance, like, the map drawn from Jan's work uh, from the house, and it was over an hour drive a day. And, like, Sam talks about it, too, in her audio logs. Like, I have these parents that are, like, they're so removed from, like, this year of my life, and then yet they feel like they still get the privilege tell me what to do. I mean, you saw a lot of her, like, rebellions and her outcries, be it, like, the very first thing was on her uh, bulletin board outside her door where she wrote a strongly worded letter, a sternly worded letter, sorry, uh, explaining that, like, she's 17 with a car. I mean, she's a year away from being a legal adult, and, like, I don't know. Um, there's, there's a lot of points where, like, it's funny because somebody had a theory and like I kind of want to touch into this actually no I'll touch into that theory later it's a really interesting one but a listener named Brad emailed and to be honest you guys like we talked about I put all this investment into this game and he had this like interesting theory about it that like he said I, I kind of associated this theory with this game and it made me like really care about it a whole lot more which is a testament what Andrew said the other night about you know how good the writing is um but yeah, I I think if anything, I mean, the the main capture point of the game is is Lonnie and um is Lonnie and Samantha's relationship. But the fact that there's all these things that influence it in 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 its surroundings and yet it's not what's taking precedence, it's something that you sort of gather as you go about. I don't know. Like that's the one thing I want to ask you guys. I mean, of course, like that took center stage for you guys. Um, but did you guys like, was there anything that was interesting to you that was happening in the background? Or was it mainly like, I know Sam and Lonnie's relationship from start to finish, like really drove 
you know, Andrew grow and, and here's the thing too. At what point did you feel like this is going to be like more ominous than you thought? Cause to be honest, like when, when you're finally given the go, I mean, the attic of course is that like the MacGuffin it's locked. Um, it's the very first thing that's mentioned when you first enter the house, like don't go into the attic. Yeah. You can only imagine, like, I'm I'm about to find two dead-ass teenagers <laughs> that are super fucking dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, at that point, like, I had, I had a listener said that they thought they were going to find Sam's parents dead. Oh. Mm. I didn't even, I didn't even process that. Oh, but, I mean, that, that, that'd be dark, but yeah, I mean, I guess. really dark. Yeah. It, I mean, like, anytime you approached a locked door, like, the locked basement, the locked attic, like, I I didn't want to go, because I just, I didn't, like, it, when it first starts, it really, because, like, thankfully, I stayed far away from any kind of, like, videos, like, you know, I didn't read articles, you know, sadly, I didn't read your review, because, you know, I didn't, I knew eventually I'd get to it, and I didn't want to have anything spoiled, so I went in pretty, like, you know, I didn't know anything about Gone Home. And so, like, when it first starts up, it plays out like it is supposed to be kind of scary. Like, you know, very, like, you know, like almost like the house is a, a character in the game. You know, like, all these different things you find, these secret compartments, secret, you know, passageways, uh, lights flickering on and turning off. It's just, like, it plays out to be scary. And that's, like, the whole time I thought, like, something's going to be bad at the end. Like, this yeah, won't end I, well. I when you When you find the passageway from your parents' um, closet... And you mm-hmm. go down, like, it's all, like, the weird uh, newspaper clippings and stuff on the wall, and the, the light bulb breaks and everything. That was the point where I was absolutely certain this was going to turn into a game, if we want to think of game in a more traditional sense, you know, like... Survival some, horror. Something, kind of yeah, something was, like, really wrong in this house, you know, and you're learning more about it. And, you know, I was really glad it didn't go that way, but there there was, you know, and I think part of that, too, is on us. Part of us is just we have these expectations of what a game's going to be and what it's going to bring to us. And when you've got the setup that gone home has, you are expecting something more sinister to be happening in, in the, in the, in the background. Um, but there was a, a point really, really quick. I wanted to go back to that. George was talking about a second ago um, about just these characters and, and the ranger Rick and the parents and their situations. And what I thought was one of the most fascinating things about gone home. And I don't know if you touched on this in your, uh, the video part of this or not was just the fact that I ended up caring about all these characters and I never met one of them. Like mm. to be fair, I didn't even meet my own character. Like you never, you never see, you know, you never see your character um, but all these characters, like I, I learned about their lives. Like I still think back to the dad and reading the note from, from his father about his first book and just like how patronizing that, that, that letter sounded and everything. And I just felt so, so crushed, you know, and so sorry for, for their father. Um, and, and I never met him. Like, I don't think I, I, I don't think in my playthrough, I don't remember ever seeing even a photo. No, I, I did probably did see a photo of him, but like yeah, there's all the family photo. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But there's all these characters that you never meet. And that's so weird, I think, for, for games because, you know, games are us meeting the characters and, and, and learning about them through that and through our interactions with them. And so often, like the, the things that Gone Home uses for teaching us about these characters are typically just the side fluff in so many other games. You know, we have all these games now that have uh 
you know, uh, notebook pages scattered around or voice recordings laying around or whatever. And that helps to flesh out the backstory, but it's never like the main communication of, of things. It's never like how we really find out about characters and who they are. Whereas in this game, that was the entire way I did it. And it was such a weird experience to be really learning about and caring for these characters and you've never met them. There's not one character you meet during the entire game. Yeah, have you guys noticed that um, there are no mirrors in the house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even in the bathrooms, you would assume yeah, there'd at least be a mirror right. in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, if there's two characters, and again, touching on that point, and it's and it's weird because you feel connection with these characters in games where you can meet like these other secondary characters, you know, face to face, and you don't even like care to give them the time of day to finish their dialogue box before you're pushing the A button. You're just like, fuck you, fuck you, tell me what I gotta do. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And and that's pretty much (laughs) that. that. Um, But it's funny because I know if you ask me, like, which character did you have the most sympathy for? I mean, I could tell you it was between Terry and and Caitlin. Katie. And what's funny is, like, even then, like, even, like, I understand she's, it's it's a necessary, she was a martyr, almost, but, and it's necessary, but, like, the only the only character that kind of gave her any sort of you know worth beyond anything was Sam. I mean, but e- even like I said, there's this there's this gradual thing that you notice to where her postcard she's less and less excited to see them and they're and they're less touched upon just because there's so much going on that she was too far removed to even be a part of this family that just fell apart without her as if she was never a part of it to begin with. Like she didn't even have like the one men. Have you noticed that the one thing that the, like the, the family really mentions about her is on that, that cork board outside of Sam's room. And if anything, I feel like that's a clever, like I almost want to feel like that's some sort of clever fourth wall jab at, at like people playing the game because it just mentions like you're leaving lights on in the house you're just as bad as your sister right and like that's, that's what you're all fucking doing that's all we're doing i don't think i ever once i'm like yeah i'm gonna turn this light off i did i, I would i would i would turn lights off and close the door back behind me and stuff like that like yeah i was really weird about that because and then when i wrote that note like it made me feel even more guilty nope i i swear <laughs> to god i went through that house like i broke into it <laughs> like, fucking left drawers open at some point I think I tossed food out of the fridge that I didn't think was worth keeping in there like there's expired milk and I'm like fuck this I'm doing Some, them a somebody broke into this empty house <laughs> yeah. yeah but um yeah well, and it, when, when it comes down to the, the, the lights I was sure that like we were talking earlier there was no steam achievements I thought for sure there was a steam achievement for turning on every single light <clears throat> or getting every single journal entry or whatnot. And then not only that, there was like, there was some creepy shit that really went on that I, I just wanted to keep the lights on. Like, that yeah. moment that you pick up, like, Oscar's crucifix and that secret oh well, and the fucking light explodes. Yeah. Which, by the way, I totally missed. Oh, man. Oh, Ow. yeah. Yeah, so... There, can, and, can, and, can, can, go, go into the Oscar thing, because that was, like, a revelation to me. Like when so, we were talking about I don't that. know, Sadoshi, if you understand like what role Oscar really played. I, in, I especially don't, with Terry. Yeah. I always thought so, he was just like a creepy kind of old guy, and that's just all it was. So Which is kind of like a, a hermit or a recluse or mm-hmm. something. So that letter, for example, that you mentioned about uh, Terry's uh, father patronizing him, do you mm-hmm. remember the part where he said, I'm glad you use your book to work through some personal uh, issues? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I don't know how much you found, but essentially, like, the implicated backstory of Oscar and Terry is that Oscar uh, sexually abused Terry when he was younger. 
huh. and felt a huge penchant of guilt for it. That's why he got the house. Um, basically, the factors that play into this that you'll soon discover is uh, looking at Terry's book series himself, the, the accidental series. The plot is to go back in 1963 as Jack Russell and stop the assassination of JFK. Right. To the point where, like, his writing became so contrived because it just kept revolving around that that dynamic. Uh, his abuse happened at the year 1963 around Thanksgiving. Uh, it's also marked because there's a secret room in the basement right next to the safe where you see Terry's age marked. He's the only child. Like, did you find it odd that his height was being tracked on that one. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that dark room where the light won't turn on, it's implied that it happened there. Um, and like this was, again, this is what people that already played it. That stack of wood, there's a broken rocking horse on top of it. Um, there's also like pharmaceutical orders for drugs that you can abuse. And essentially what's happened is like through these notes and these mementos, um, you know, after Oscar did what he did, he, he was eventually found out in the family and completely ostracized and kicked out of the family. And then he tried to explain himself that what he did was terrible, but that he he came out as a homosexual and that, like, you know, he, he, he wants to apologize and do right and he wants the family to accept him again. They don't. And, like, he even, like, goes as far as selling the pharmacy so that way, you know, he won't be put in a temptation to where, you know, children or anything... He eventually, you know, the fact that he was exiled goes nuts and basically does a bunch of drugs and, and gains this reputation of being this fucking psychotic recluse. And yeah, you find this out basically between the will that he left solely to Terry. There's a hidden letter under the library desk that he wrote to Terry congratulating him on his marriage and asking for forgiveness. There's all this stuff really going on mm. with that. Um, and even then... I, it, there's a lot of other things, I mean, especially with their sex life. I mean, give it up to Terry to, like, do the right thing for his family. Because I can only assume, like, they, they didn't move far from where they're at. You know, uh, they, they, like, they didn't move, like, out of state or anything into Oregon. But I can only assume, considering that Terry was already having issues being an author anyway, and I'm, I can only assume that, like, you know, with Jan, like, not being that far away. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I wish to kind of, if anything, elucidated more as to what drove Terry to say, fuck it. I'm going to give this house a chance, even though it was given to me by like my fuck ass pervert uncle. Um, I can only assume that being back in that house and, you know, the memories come back would, would be one of the big factors affecting his sex life and his writer's block and everything. You know what I mean? It's it's like little touches like that that like hmm. build this organic atmosphere. And then like I was trying to talk to the guys about this on the video companion and yeah, I I you know, I was really surprised that they didn't pick up on it. Uh hmm. but I think there was a letter that there's a couple things you guys didn't find that would have helped like, you know, illuminate this kind of like very it's it's a very subtle thing. It's incredibly subtle. It's I don't even think it's implied. You just know that there's something creepy going on with your fucking uncle. That's that's the creepy thing. Mm. That's the skeleton in the closet. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's 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 games have conditioned us to kind of not pay attention to that side stuff, you know. And it's it's very easy to miss things because just so often it's just it is like fluff that's added to these games to like help pad them out or 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 to explain things that developers don't want to or you know or just 
have all this additional backstory. So it's that was one of the tough things that I think about playing going gone home was just getting that mindset of remembering that everything probably has a purpose for being there. Everything has a reason. Everything is telling is like one more little piece of this bigger story. And uh, I, I, I hate to say what I'm going to say, but you know, it's just, it's, it's like a lot of things like in media where just these days it's easier just to kind of spoon feed us the details, you know, and, and not have us think for ourselves um, than it is to give us the clues and, and expect us as the viewer or the player or whatever to kind of put those pieces together. And, and it, I, I don't think Gone Home demands it because the big thing, like the big story, Sam and Lonnie, I mean, it, that's the one thing it's very direct with. But I feel like I love that it doesn't settle at that. And only that, I love that like the direct story alludes to these other things happening in the background, but it's completely up to you. And that's and that's where I drive like my argument that, you know, Gone Home is what you put out of it is what you get back out of it. So that and even then, there is one thing that Brad mentioned. Uh, he was a listener that wrote in when I, I was like, I, I really want people to talk about like we do with every other games club. Um, and it actually makes me want to rethink something that I was arguing with uh, Andrew about. Because uh, when we did the video companion, uh, Andrew and I were debating on you know the impact of the story because of the gender roles involved. He said the writing was so good that you know this could it it, it can be a, a a story of sexual identity between boys or girls. I I argued that it was all the more special with women. Because the fact that like the, the the female struggle played a role in it, especially within one particular moment where instead of like her parents trying to you know shut her down and use these religious overtones, send her to scare you know you know scared straight camp or what have you, that they flat out deny it and just tell her she's going through a phase because she's a girl and she hasn't met the right boy yet. That she right. basically needed a boy to you know to set her straight, so to speak. And I felt like, you know, you can't really do something like when it when it's men, they just like they they buy into the fact like, holy shit, you're gay. Uh, we got to do something about it because that's not right. You know what I mean? Uh, but Brad brought something up uh, that I found interesting. And though it's completely different from that argument, it makes me want to rethink that like that I would jump into that. Brad writes, hey, guys. So there's somewhat of a theory that I've kind of pieced together. Now, granted, this theory doesn't have a lot of groundwork, so I like to call it as a personal reflection of a what-if scenario, but I go into Gone Home playing it every now and again and try to find different things to support the way I look at it, and I feel like I get way more enjoyment out of it. I feel like if I applied this twist in Gone Home, that Caitlin basically came home to a house of a family she already lost years ago, and that Caitlin's actually insane and can't (laughs) move on. And basically has this house that she owns that that's look because he argues and he writes, I mean, what I use to support this argument is that this house looks emptier than it would have been. He uses dates, for example, Caitlin comes home on the 5th, the day that they supposedly left. But it feels like there are things that have already gone on in this house longer than the scope of a day to somebody who's just been recently in it. Like just some of the theories and like, I can't really go with that, but I, I like that. I like that he went that way. Cause imagine it. I mean, they don't really elucidate a lot on Caitlin as we mentioned, but to look at it that way in a game to kind of like enforce that is weird. Like Caitlin's 
Caitlin's basically struggling with the death of a family that's been dead long ago and basically goes back to to commiserate in like memories of a sister because you know like the thing that he uh makes mention of uh which he feels like it's supposed to be an omen uh is and it's something that i actually pointed out in the video that i that i thought like if anything reinforced this ominous nature or whatnot but he attributes the omen to the weather warning that you get right away on the tv and the fact that like the all these things happened and they ended up dying in, all in in cars. Maybe, maybe she's in Silent Hill. Mm. There we go. It's a the sound sound theory. Yes. Uh, no pun intended. I oh, know uh, it, it's it's um yeah I don't know I mean like I I have fun like thinking about things like that but I because like was there was there a pizza sitting out? No. All that's again all the, bo- the like pe- all the, the foods expired, right? Uh, and then they're they're just yeah. empty boxes. However, that's right, it's just a box. The thing that like I want to debate. Speaking of food, because funny enough, you're you're on the money there. All the food that's there is recently expired. So I don't unless she's crazy enough to restock a fridge with food, um, and, and and she goes back there to try to build this fantasy scape of of her just missing it. Because I don't know. I mean, there aren't there isn't a lot to really reinforce that, but to me, it's sort of like a, a Garfield minus Garfield way to look at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I, I that's the way I look at it. I don't know. I appreciate your email, Brad. Like I, I, I personally would never have looked at it that way. But the fact that you can openly do that, that like I don't know, it's a testament to the writing. So I'll give you that nod, Toast. I I think, you know, that you can really be open with the writing, and it is a testament. I'm I'm sorry that it took weird, creepy dead person theory to mm-hmm. kind of open my eyes to it, but no, no, it's I... it, it's it's interesting. But I think <laughs> I think that takes us too much in the realm of of trying to be a game again. Back to that conversation, you know, like like that the what Gone Home was trying to accomplish didn't didn't need that. And if that was the case, it would have I don't know. Like I, I feel like it would have taken away too much from the story it was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. So. I just I, I I do like the fact that you can always like kind of come off with these like theories or just like your own interpretation. Like you re- you really don't necessarily have to go with you know what is kind of assumed. You know like there's so many things you can like you know you, you kind of know near the end that uh, Terry got his like second wind as a writer because he got picked back up and he was like writing his you know his third book in the series. Um, but you know they never really come right out and say like you know. Is you know the mom and dad are they going to be okay? Uh, did anything really happen with the mom and Rick, or was it just like infatuation and nothing really happened? Because you see the you know the wedding invitation on the fridge that Rick's getting married. So you know, do you assume that like it was just like she was thinking it and never did anything, or did something happen? You know, are they going to be okay? You know, it kind of leaves you off at the end there. Like, will everyone be okay? Like, you you want to hope they will be, but it, that's life. You know, you don't know for sure if they're going to be okay or not. That's just something you have to kind of hope and, and assume or make your own kind of, you know, conclusions on. And, and there's so many things that, like, even now thinking about the game, like, just things that kind of, I wonder why or, or like, you know, what was the reason behind it? Like, why is the kitchen still under renovation? Like, the whole time that house, they've had the house for how long and it's still under renovation? Yeah, and, 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 like, nothing's happened with the kitchen. Like, they're still working on it. It's just... 
I don't know, maybe that's something to look into or read into. Like you can, if you want to, if you decide you want to go and kind of branch off your own thoughts and opinions, or if you want to just assume like, well, okay, that's just the way it is. Like you, you kind of make your own story. Like you can make your own backstory in this whole thing if you want to. Like it lays it all out for you, but if you want to put your own spin on it and your own interpretation, you're you're better off for doing that because it kind of makes the experience and the story more custom fit to you as a person. Um, but that, that's just the way. I, that's kind of what I get out of it. I just love that. Like I said, and it goes back to the point that was made earlier. Like you never meet these characters at all, and yet there's a pacing in everything that you learn. I mean, you can learn things out of sync, but even then, I mean, there. I think there's a way that between the audio logs really selling it and and just like all the other stuff because you find all these journal entries in these notes but then there are notes that have no accompanied audio log that really i don't know they build this world i over the course of this year like i i related to so much i really like we've all been at this point where we've had some sort of summer love or like this temporary fling like this like i don't know i think it it takes all these human constructs that we you know, that we associate in real life that we see, you know, reenacted within film, TV media, stuff like that, that's built over the course of several different entries within a series or seasons and episodes. And you see it unfold, uh, you know, before you, but you're the one that's doing the unfolding. You're not, you're not, you know, waiting to you know, hit some scheduled time slot to see what may happen to them on the next episode. I mean, the thing that, you know, that I feel like if anything should be detracted from Gone Home is I feel like it's almost too much of a water cooler game. I mean, I love that, but like we can go on and on and talk about it, but I may make you think differently about the game. I will never change how you felt about it. Like, Especially that that climax where we we see that Sam and Lonnie go off in a God knows what in some fucking car and and they they have nothing else. I mean, they abandon literally any route of stability they were on for each other. Call it cliche, but I was able to absorb enough of that to where I could simply ask for nothing more. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, that that brings up an interesting question. And this is something I was curious about. To, this is one reason I want to talk to all you guys about this game because I was curious what your answers would be. Um, I, I think like how much you get out of Gone Home, I think part of it is just the connection you can make to the game. Um, because f- for me, I'm I'm playing and uh, you have this character, you know, who is doing, you know, she's making fanzines, right? And that's how I came up in this industry. That's how I got my start. Was I was doing fanzines. So I, I related to that, and she was into the whole Riot Girl scene. And I, I had friends who were into Riot Girl stuff. I, I, you know, knew people I knew of that kind of scene. So I was into that. And then there's one one of the Riot Girl bands that, that plays um, from Sam's tapes uh, that she got from Lonnie was Bratmobile, and I was a big Bratmobile fan. So like there were these these little like all these little things in the game that was like, oh my god, I can directly. I mean, even beyond the fact that you know she's talking about Super Nintendo games and stuff like that, like. There were all these little points where I could totally connect with Sam as a character. And so that helped me, you know, enjoy the game more. Whereas the coworker I was talking about who didn't like it, I think there was nothing on a personal level for him that he could connect with in terms of what this game was doing as a story. And that's why he didn't enjoy it. So like kind of for, for, for all three of you guys, like on a personal level, like what points did you 
connect with and did that make you enjoy the game more or do you think you would have enjoyed the game just as much like if those little connections weren't there i honestly like i personally i couldn't really relate to a lot of the things that were going on only because Mm. you know maybe it's just like a sheltered life maybe it's just like you know being where i'm at you know kind of dealing with a, a homosexual relationship you know it was always kind of like you know i i guess like the way the parents reacted would pretty much be the way that people would react to where where i'm from you know not mm-hmm. so much now but like as i was growing up if i was sam's age you know 17 you know in school and you know all these things going on like i can imagine that kind of stuff would have happened you know i know my wife now she had a friend in school who was going through all this stuff at when he was starting to come out and you know they're living in a very rural you know, country town, you know, and it's one of those things you don't talk about it. You don't, you know, tell people about it, you know, very living, living a double life. You know, you're living your life, you know, in public and then you're living your life how Sam and Lonnie were, you know, like just amongst them. Like, and they have this own culture and this own thing that's kind of secretive and they have to kind of be in secret when they're making their fanzines. And, you know, when they distribute it, like, you notice, like when they distribute that stuff in school, they like they automatically got reprimanded. You know, the school actually like, you know, put them in trouble for doing that fanzine there wasn't anything offensive about it at all it's just the fact of what it was implying that got them in trouble and that, that's not only yeah. like what it was like for a 17 year old that's what it was like in the 90s when you know coming out was such a hard thing to do you know thankfully now we're in a day and age where it's accepted and you know people you know are finally starting to you know come around but you know 15 years ago that wouldn't have been the case at all and, and so it, it's kind of interesting to see you know, that time frame for me was kind of like I was almost around that same age, you know, maybe a few years younger, but it's still interesting to see how that's all playing out in which they don't even really ever come out and say where they're at, like state wise, right? Like they don't like say like, they're in this state, Oregon. Okay. That's right. Yeah, you're right. They did. Um, and just for me, it was like, I could, I could sympathize, but I couldn't relate, you know, but in the back of my mind, always thinking that their eventual, you know, solution to this problem was going to be their, their death i thought you know and and they have all these allusions to you know the 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 answering machine with you know how lonnie was like super upset and distraught you know they're the bathtub with the hair dye but you thought it might have been blood when you first looked at it uh the kurt cobain you know like images of like they have magazines with kurt yeah. cobain on it so like, like, like they allude to all this stuff in the like, audio log especially have you noticed mm-hmm. how many times sam kept saying i don't think i can live without her yeah, I don't like think I can the, live without the, her. The whole the whole time, I was like, "This is alluding to this this end," and it's it's such a shame that like this had to be their solution. Why couldn't they just been accepted? Why couldn't they just live the life they wanted? And and then when you get to the ending and you find out that you know they did make a life for themselves and they did you know do things on their terms. You know, granted, it's not what their family would want, but they were living their lives for themselves. Finally, it wasn't about going into the army and doing what you thought you were supposed to do or going to school and. You know, doing what your parents wanted you to do. And, and like for me, that was touching. You know, I can't relate, but I can definitely sympathize. And it makes me feel better about what I've gone through. Because, you know, in my opinion, thank God I never had to go through something like that. I don't think I would be strong enough to do it. Honestly, I, I think if I had, you know, if I was being ostracized by people, family, I, I don't think I could have done it. And to, to see them actually finally get to that point and, and, and be able to do it, that was like super heartwarming, like like an awesome experience. And yeah, that, like, like I said, I can't relate, but I can definitely get something out of it. It definitely paints a positive message. And even if you can't really 
say like I was going through the same thing, you could definitely get something out of it. And I think everyone that really pays attention should get something out of it, it, it whether it's you know kind of hoping, uh, hopefully like you know wanting to be, you know uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is accepting. Not even accepting, but just, you know, we want to help. You want to be able to be that person that gives them the encouragement to do what they want to do. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a super positive message. Like it, it, like George said, like the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Like if you put your heart into it and you really experience it, like it's such a beneficial thing for somebody to, you know, want to go out and actually, you know, use it as a positive thing. And I'm, I'm glad they made the game for that. I think it really is a super positive message. I... Like, you know, I wasn't exactly a part of the, like, Riot Girl scene. I was aware of it. But, I mean, just even then, there's similar cultures that it shared with, like, the... And, again, we're really going to be clear on this because this is music snob, George. But (laughs) the Midwest uh, emo movement that happened in the early 90s, like, I was that kid wearing Get Up Kids patches and and promise ring buttons. Where are you from originally? California. Okay, okay. It was just, I was in like, I was, dude, we're in the valley, as you're aware of. Like, the valley has the benefit of being in the middle of where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get to, like, go and do things, but. Well, you, you said Midwest, so you threw me off for a second there. Well, the music came from the Midwest. Right. Yeah, so, like, it would reach our, you know, it would reach our end, and then, you know, you had, you had the mainstream stuff, like, alternative press. I mean, alternative press, it was arguably not mainstream within the 90s, but still, it was the closest I mean, there was no internet. So between alternative press, word of mouth, and fucking kids who still, you know, unfortunately one of the, you know, diehard tropes of like contention and pretentious fucking music tastes within <laughs> alternative rock. Uh, I mean, th- there are just points where I mean there there are these logoed, logoed buttons, merch that came out. Um, fanzines, I mean, they're, oh god, if I could only list, I mean, you guys always hear, like, the dirty stuff about Modesto, but if there's one thing that, like, I could always attribute to Modesto, was, like, the underground music scene and all the shitty, like, King Code fucking Xerox copies. Um, if anything, fuck, what was Kinko's before... Um, FedEx, like before it was Kinko. Uh, No, 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 it was always Kinko's. Yeah, yeah. when FedEx bought it, they changed FedEx office, but it was Kinko's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I used I used to work there, and that was great because when you're making fanzines and you work at Kinkos, it's like a great combination. Yeah, so like all these like clippings and whatnot. So when I saw that, it definitely harkened back to stuff from um, my past. Um, you know, it's funny too, and this is like again elitist nerd. But remember when arcades were everywhere, guys? Remember yeah. when like you know where my Street mm. Fighter Two arcade was? It was in a fucking Burger King. <laughs> at what point would you ever like associate that? And like the fact you're like, yeah, we were playing, we were playing Street Fighter Two at the Seven Eleven, and like again, it was it was it was definitely like a thrust of nostalgia. But it was it was things that I could relate to. Like I remember going, like you have any idea how many fucking classes I skipped when I was a kid just so I can go to Burger King and play Street Fighter Two, or the fact that our Seven Eleven, uh, fucking had Strider, like. <laughs> You know, all all these little touches, like now, like you'll be lucky if you see like a laundromat have like that 501 arcade <laughs> cab. <laughs> um, and the fact that there's still like a really shitty pizza place that has Raiden fighter uh, aces. And I always think of Sarah and I always think of like, I'm going to whittle that dude down one day and I'm going to buy that fucking <laughs> shitty cab. I'm going to put it in my house. I'm going to take a picture of it and I'm gonna make Sarah proud. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it harkened to this different culture. 
Um, I think especially when like I was in Sam's room and I saw her write down like command inputs for like Chun Li's move set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean stuff like that. There there's all these little bits and pieces that are related to. Um, ROTC was a thing. Even you know, I of course Sam is definitely much older than I was during that time, but still it was something that I knew about. And yeah, I mean, still to this day, uh, it's it's just funny when you see the words gay used in a pejorative context. And like, that was the time they lived in. Like when people called each other gay or retards in this pejorative, demeaning way. And the fact that like, it's 2014, it's 20 years. I mean, it's funny, George Sakai always uses this meme and makes fun of it, but he always goes off and says... I hate it that when I think about 10 years ago, my mind immediately goes to 1990, not 2000. I mean, it's mm-hmm. taken us a long way to as a, as a society to really, per, you know, advance forward and, and basically adapt these sensibilities. I, you know, I'm right there with Andrew. Like, I can only imagine what it's like. And, you know, I've been in that situation to where, like, I've, you know, I've been involved with, you know, women but even even not in the 90s, I've been involved with women that like, you know, I was looked down upon because, you know, I gave these women like a chance. Like, well, they weren't women at that time. We were fucking boys and girls, but still. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I can only imagine like that that star crust lover thing that that like when I related to it, I related to that, but mostly summer love. Like these guys, like these two girls had like this fleeting opportunity to try to keep what they had. And there was a time limit the whole time between her going off to do this summer scholarship program with a college that can give her a promising start to like Lonnie going to the army. There was a time limit from the get go. And they like every passing day was a blessing and a curse to them like that. That's what really hit with me, especially when you heard it more and more. And, you know, you could hear the exhaustion in the voice actor's voice when she was playing Sam from sobbing like that. There was so believable it was just so like articulate that you like you heard this pain and you immediately felt it i don't know it it, that that was the one thing that i really took from it like just like this whole thing of summer love like young love and like the fact that like as cliche as the ending may have been i think they went they gave up and went through a lot and to be honest they could have been wrong they could have been done something but what i always associate is the fact that like sam Sam embraced her sexual identity. Like, Lonnie, she embraced as well. But, like, regardless of whether or not her and Lonnie will work, Lonnie will always be the first step in her accepting that she's a lesbian. And, and like, there's this one audio log where she's even, you know, within the journal entry, like, you knew, right, Katie? Like, I've always known and I've always, you know, kind of... And, and you kind of look at that suggestive text beforehand. I mean, she takes interest in Lonnie, this other girl... She takes interest in this iconoclastic woman who or a girl. God, I keep saying woman. This iconoclastic girl who like, you know, goes against the grain one minute and then goes with it the next. Like she's an enigma. She's intriguing. And she's like got fucking fiery red hair. And, you know, it's shit like that. I mean, you kind of notice like the way she feels about boys in a second. Like just seeing it come full circle. And she's like, I've known since Shira that I was gay. It's it's. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like it's it's being able to see that and, you know, whether her and Lonnie will work like Sam, Sam came out and Sam will stay out. And and that to me, like, I don't know, like I said, spoke to me in different levels. I'm I'm I like I'm 
I'd like to say I'm big friends with a lot of people in the gay community. And like, these are friends that I grew up with. I don't think I've ever really shared the story in the podcast before, but we have this gay friend. I, you know, I won't use names just so I don't, you know, probably say a story I'm not meant to, but I mean, you know, fucking we'll keep names out of it. But I had a gay friend who came out, um, near high school and like, you know, we still support him. There's a lot of people that he casted out, you know, because they were, you know, small minded. But at one point, I mean, we, you know, friends, friendships bigger than that. There are things bigger than that. And even then, like I support it. It's something that I don't do, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. And like when he, you know, not only came out, but he also, you know, indulged that he was into cross-dressing, that he was into doing it. We, we all, we all dressed up. We all got in pumps and dresses and we went out to the club with him because that was something he's always wanted to do. We went to the city, we did this and was it uncomfortable for us? Well, yeah, because we, you know, there was, there was definitely situations that were, that were uh, arose from it because we were definitely pretending to be something we weren't, but we did it to support our friends. And I can only, you know, not experiencing it firsthand. I can, I, I see the struggles there. So uh, I guess to answer your question, Sadosh, yeah, I related to it a lot, but I was, again, that outsider looking in. I was Caitlin, you know, seeing this happen with my sister. And I, I don't know, I guess if I hope that answers your question. Well, no, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's an interesting point, though, is um, which side, you know, because I God, it's an interesting point, because when I was playing Gone Home, I think I was more on the Samantha side as far as how I related to the game and what was going on and, and like all that kind of stuff. But then you can also relate to Caitlin. And I think that's probably one of the good points about the game is that you can you can come in it and you can relate to both those sides in both those sides because they're coming at it from different angles. Like you have access to the story from two different directions. Mm. And that's really interesting point that you make that. And I, 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 for some reason just hadn't thought of that. Um, the fact that, you know, cause I, I have, I have a, a friend who's gay and I was talking to him about it and he, he loves the game. And, you know, he was just saying like, you know, even though this was a female character, I, you know, Sam, um, that he could completely relate. And there were just so many little things he could relate to, you know? And so he was on that side kind of too, but then you can come at it as the, I don't know much about this and I'm learning about what it means to kind of, to be gay and to go through what you're going through. And that's what the character is for. So it, it is like really fascinating and, and interesting how the game can bring you at this conversation at this, this story from those two different angles. Mm -hmm. And you've got both of those. You, you can either be Caitlin uncovering the pieces that you relate to. And so you want to find out more because you, you, you sympathize with Sam and you, you, you know what she's going through, or you can be Caitlin trying to understand what Sam's going through because you yourself don't. So mm -hmm. that, that's, that's, it's interesting. You also even like the more we talk about it, like the, the Sam and, and Lonnie story obviously is like kind of the main hook, but I could have even just as easily been okay with like being Caitlin and finding and uncovering the secrets of like her family, like what her father's gone through and, and seeing it in this house, like for the first time, you know, maybe his children didn't know about what he went through. I'm sure it was something that he probably didn't bring up in conversation. You would assume that, you know, maybe he had told his wife and she knew about what was going on. But, you know, maybe his kids never did. And, and, and to kind of go through and experience this, you know, in the house where it happened and find out, you know, where he's been, what he's come from. 
and, and to find out that, you know, all it was was support. They just needed someone to support them and kind of carry them through those hard times. You know, Terry had his, you know, his like fan base of who enjoyed his book so much so that, you know, another company picked up his books because they enjoyed them so much. Even his wife was supportive. You find uh, one of his manuscripts and she wrote on the back, like, don't give up on this. You know, like it, all he needed was support to get through it. And he finally kind of gets to that point where he can finally start being OK about it. And same same with Sam, like, you know, she had that support of, you know, Lonnie and the group of people they hung out with, the people they made the zine with, you know, that whole, you know, group that she hung out with, you know, listen to music, going to concerts. And, and that's what it took to finally, you know, get to a place where it was OK. Um, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but if anyone's ever read The Perks of Being a Wallflower, that that book and they actually actually made a movie about it last year. The book itself, though, ties in so well to, to this game. I kind of wonder if maybe somewhere one of the people that worked on Gone Home maybe had read it because the perks of being Wallflower actually ties in with a lot of this stuff, like like a lot of the different subjects. It's kind of interesting how similar they are. Um, if anything else, I relate to that a lot, too, because I love that book. It's still one of my favorite books. And just thinking about it now, I feel like Gone Home is a good, you know, they, they relate so well to each other. Um, but I don't know. I just talking about it, I love this conversation because you get so much more out of it. It's good when you conversate with other people and you kind of get their point of view from it. And see, that's what I think. Like, I hate it. I love it and hate it because, like, you know what I mean? Like, I it's almost like you kind of feel like, fuck, I should have figured this out for myself, you know? But, like, it, it's weird. It, 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 it's definitely got a very strange dichotomy with it. Mm. I'm kind of interested about um, what, what you thought, Sarah. I know... You know, we talked about this game a little bit last time. You know, we had our playthrough. But uh, how how do you feel about the game ultimately? Or how oh do you relate to it ultimately? I'm most excited about this. Well, I I can relate to most of it, but not in the proper time frame because, like you, Toast, I was very sheltered as a youngin, sort of growing up uh, in Central Canada, and I do get like uh, you know thinking back to it, you know, the whole using gay as like a super derogatory term. It was all over the place, and it was sort of uh, the mainstay status quo. But like going into the uh, the early 21st century, around you know 2000, 2001, 2002, that's where I was exposed to more uh, more situations. Uh, and of course, there was some kind of rough times in my life uh, in regards to. Uh, at the very least, emotional infidelity uh, with certain people within my life. Um, and, you know, a, a bunch of my friends came out as being either gay or or potentially transgender. Like they wanted to go through with like a transgender sort of uh, procedure uh, and, and more. And and so, like, I know what it's all about, uh, even though it's, it's not something that relates to me, uh, I would say, directly i mean it was directly associated with me because it's one degree of separation but um but yeah it was it was kind of the wrong time i think uh, for me to get the full sort of uh, like relation to it however uh with that being said um you know i was uh i was really sort of drawn most to the main sort of uh, central sam um Lonnie story arc just sort of seeing well yeah okay this is from an earlier time and uh, and how are the people around her going to to sort of react like when you go into the kitchen and then all of a sudden uh you hear Sam start talking about oh I I uh 
I was called in and we we had to have a talk and I'm like, oh, well, shit, here we go. Right. <laughs> what are they going to say? Sort of thing. And uh, just kind of eavesdropping on the conversation, you know, it's it's something else. That's for sure. It's like um, it's like I said yesterday, like I'm kind of a nosy person. I, I live more or less a very mundane life. And so I'm, I'm rather easily entertained with the uh, the life experiences and stories that other people tell because it's. It's something that I haven't experienced kind of thing, right? Which isn't much these days. Uh, so so that's that's what I liked most about it is that I was able to be uh, to be exposed to someone else's point of view and it turned out to be really entertaining for me. Mm. To be that kind of fly on the wall to experience all this mm. stuff as it's happening. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So, so, and then the narrative was really well, really well put together, you know? So how it was presented was just as, as important as what was being said. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, yeah, I mean, saying it can only be so much when you're seeing it and kind of seeing the remnants of, you know, Mm -hmm. all this going down. No, absolutely. So I think we've all really kind of answered this question, but just so we can directly come out with it and I'll start. uh, People have also elucidated, like, would you ever want to see an epilogue or a prologue added to Gone Home for a different perspective play out similarly? And I'm like, no. It's no. a very singular experience. Yeah, yeah no, it, you, you have you have to like you know assume what happens at the end. Like I personally feel like they they you know sold a bunch of the VCRs they stole from the house and they lived a very happy life <laughs> in Canada because and, and if, they took if, the Super if, Nintendo. Yeah, yeah I was well, looking well, for that. That's thing. Like, like like Sam's just kind of a thief. Like she stole the Super Nintendo game, never gave it back to that boy, stole all the VCRs out of the house before they left. Uh, I assume sold them for a bus ticket because like I was reading um, someone else's like not, you know, not spoilers about the game, but just their own interpretations of the game. Like Lonnie pretty much did, you know, uh, not draft dodge, but, you know, she was in the army, like signed up ready to go. And then she just kind of just left. So that has a lot of ramifications, you know, if you leave the army. So I assume they probably wouldn't be, you know, okay for too long. Like they try to start finding her. And yeah, they like, do have family in Canada because mom uh, yeah. was, you know, from Canada. But then don't they also allude to um, Lonnie is uh, like a third generation immigrant? Because uh, didn't Lonnie give Sam that that skull? Mm-hmm. Or was it, that skull? Was that, like, that, that, um, like Yeah, when she went of, to Mexico. Day of the Dead. And like that actually, she actually has family in Mexico. She also so has like, a mom in Florida that she never wants to see. Mm-hmm. So I don't know just like so many things could have happened afterwards, but it's like I said before, like you assume and hope that everything was okay, but you don't know. You just have you, to make that assumption on your own, or just make your own conclusion to it. You have to, love will find a way. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I like that part. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's too convenient. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, a- I mean, I think that we're we're always. Not always, but we're we're often too often very anxious to be like, give me a sequel or give me uh, more of the story. You know, tell me mm-hmm. what what exactly happened. And it's it's okay. It's okay if you don't. Well, there's there's a mix of. Cause I, I just got done playing through Danganronpa, and uh, the ending of that game is very very frustrating because there's a there's an answer that you want that the game doesn't give you. Whereas I feel like I feel like in Gone Home I got the answer I wanted. You know you. You're you're kind of like, are these two gonna make it? You know, because it, you you think that 
that Lonnie's going to go off to the, to the military and then, you know, Sam's going to be alone and, and they're not going to make it. And then you find out that they're back together. They're running off together. And that's what you, that's the answer that you wanted was, you know, what kind of, like what happens to them in the future isn't really the important part. It was what happened to them in that moment that you, that you really wanted to find out about. And because I found that out, like, I'm fine with that. I don't need explanation. I don't need, you know, Gone Home 2, the further adventure. Yeah, you don't really need, like, a stand-by-me right. like, summary and be like, well, this person went to prison. They were right. dead in the streets. And, you know, you, you don't really need that. Yeah, so so I, I I think it's just, like, I think we're sometimes too, too eager to want just more of something, you know? And I, I don't think we need more of it in this case. No, I, I, I'm glad they, they treat their audience with, you know not respect but they, they just trust that they are able to make the conclusions on their own like like we said before they don't have to beat them over the head with it or like spoon feed it to them like they can just assume that you know you're smart enough to know like you know this is a conclusion that you can come with or like you don't need to have that just just make your own deductions like make your own you know make make it your own like we don't have to tell you the story like we won't make you experience our story or our version like you know make one of your own and that's the way it should be. Well, I think we've pretty much kind of hit every nail in the head, unless there was a point that somebody wanted to make before we uh, close this puppy out. I, I almost I said, said put I, this puppy down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, too sad. Yeah, too too many too many feels, man. Um, but I, I think it's a great game, a great game, and I honestly feel. I feel kind of bad that we talked about writing and and then I hadn't played this game when we did our game of the year stuff. Like now that I've played through it, I could have really been on this game's side. Like I really enjoyed it a lot. And I know you brought this up when we were talking about the um, we we're doing the playthrough, how the reaction to people saying that you know the uh, video game award show or the the Spike video game award show gave it the PC game of the year. And how many people were like so upset about that? Like, it is a great experience, but I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be just because on the PC. Like, it could have been a good experience on the console. Like, you know, whether you think it's an actual game or an interactive experience or, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's an experience nonetheless. Like, I don't have to have you know complex controls or you know uh, objectives to to experience something. Like, that game you know took you through and and you got you know the most out of it. I don't really care about how I get there as long as I get there. Doesn't, doesn't matter about, you know, what the controls are or anything like that. Like, that's just... Video games are past that. They're beyond that now. It doesn't have to be just mechanics or it doesn't have to be just about graphics. It just it needs to be an experience. It needs to be something that you can remember and hopefully, you know, tell someone else about and hopefully they'll experience it too. And as long as you can get that, I don't really care how you get it or how you get there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious... Uh... Did did you all did all you guys know going in what the catch was like did did you because I mean because when I went in I I kind of had had that spoiled like not directly but I knew it was about a homosexual relationship you know mm, and and so yeah. I knew that was coming like like did did you guys know about that at all or did you go into this game completely just ignorant to what you were gonna find I, I, I had went no, into no idea. It 
probably the most far removed from the three of us. I think I didn't. I didn't actually read your review, George. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Who uh, does anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, like especially when it comes down to like uh, this style of a game, I think I'd I'd much prefer just kind of going in completely blank, no previous exposure whatsoever. Basically, I'm a a brand new slide of film, and I want to be exposed to as much as. Uh, as possible without anything else uh, clouding up, confusing, or otherwise distorting what I should be seeing uh, the first time around. Uh, I went into it until I reviewed the game. No idea about it. I went into it saying, man, this creepy-ass motherfucking game where you (laughs) don't know who's alive and who's dead. I thought it was like Super Clue. That's pretty much what I I went into it. (laughs) I honestly thought that I was going to find out that I was a ghost and that, you know, I didn't know I was ghost like 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 a, like you know uh Bruce Willis kind of deal you know like Six Sense yeah Six Sense yeah like I thought I really thought it was supposed to be a scary game like every indication of the artwork and just the atmosphere like plays it out like it's a scary game like something like someone died or a lot of people died or everybody died it's and, deceptive in that way because it's still you know, yeah those creepy things but they're definitely not a focal point they're no and, and I love that I love how it it goes under the disguise of like a scary first person you know game and then it turns itself into kind of like a really heartwarming adventure game about you know growing up and and finding yourself i don't know just really cool how it all spins it together like i love how they they take those like you know those video game like troops of like you think it's supposed to be this way you like you by just simple matter of like you know playing games and just experiencing genres that you think it's supposed to be going this way and it doesn't at all like it just totally spins it off here we go guys box mm-hmm. quote the to kill a mockingbird of video games God. <laughs> oh. you're the worst really <laughs> man oh all right have you read well, to kill to kill a mockingbird <laughs> yeah i've, I've oh. read and watched it mm. I, oh, I want it to be the walden of video games <laughs> can that please happen <laughs> Boring uh, ass ever. Mm. All right. Well, uh, episode end. Sure. So if you've enjoyed this episode of Press Podge Radio, which I can only assume that you did because you've reached the end, um, you know, it's not like food where, you know, you could uh, just taste it and hate it right away. I guess we can be like food. I don't know. Either way, we we most of the time are. You would be puking with food poison (laughs) at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like you committed. So you have no one but yourself to blame. But we hope that you blame yourself with happiness because that's how you should feel after listening to us that's the intended emotion uh as well as extra shit that you didn't really think you would think about but now guess what we put that in your brain and now yeah and now you're gonna have a brain night or brain day 
where your brain is going to introduce all of these things that you didn't really think about before in a game. And I hope that's what you definitely got out of it. And yeah, I really want to take the opportunity to thank Shidoshi again for, you know, taking time out of his schedule to come record with us finally. And finally. Is, yeah, finally, you've. You, well, you haven't come back, but I was, I was going to make some stupid reference. <laughs> wrestling, I know. I, 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 know. <laughs> I saw it. You saw? Oh, you saw it? Did you? I did. I saw it coming a mile away. Oh yeah. Uh, makes for good radio to see things. Um, ooh, <laughs> bam! Hey, but this is the opportunity for you to plug whatever you plug. Please plug away. I want you to, to saturate us with all the things that you feel that we need to be saturated with. Um. Okay. Then I'll, I guess I'll I'll just do quick two quick plugs. Uh, the biggest one is the one I always plug is please follow me on Twitter. Um, if you want to know who I am and what I do and you want to read my ramblings, I can be found on Twitter at PicoAri. That is P-I-K-O-E-R-I. Um, and then I guess the only other thing I would say is like I do a bunch of podcasts and um, we do one called Warning a Huge Podcast, which has not happened for months, actually a year plus now. Uh, but I do other podcasts as well that are actually done. And that is at morningradio.com. Um, but really, uh, follow me on Twitter if you can do anything. P-I-K-O-E-R-I. And you can find out what I do for EGM and side projects and packs, panels, and all that kind of stuff there. So, See to which, I don't want to be nosy, but the gay friend that you mentioned, that's a gay gamer, right? No, it's not. Okay, because I want I him on the show too. He's... Oh, that's, you think that's my token gay friend. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, George, I'm going to stay quiet go. for the rest of the episode yep, now. I've ever known on the I, internet as the guy who just called out, you know, the only gay person they knew, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's I'm going to go stand in this corner now. Aw. No, I won't. I won't. I won't say exactly who it is because I, I don't. Well, I mean, oh, no, I wasn't asking that. I was just, I was. No, shy. I guess, I guess he's, he's, he's not shy about his being out. So he, um, my coworker Chris. Ah. So, okay. um, yeah, because he, he doesn't hide the fact that he is. I was trying to think about whether or not he'd mentioned on our podcast or not, but, um, yeah, no. So, gay gamer is a different friend. I do a podcast with him. He's a great guy, and you should have him on sometime. Yes. I would love to have him on. He's just. Uh, apparently, everybody thinks I'm a uh, a spammed axe commercial. If you don't know me that well, yes. Twitter. <laughs> uh, I, I should put that in my bio. Not affiliated with axe. It's a good idea. Yeah, because they're eventually gonna try to take over your Twitter handle. Yeah. And can, can I say just real quick? I I completely screwed my URL up, so that URL does not exist. Um. Uh. So just go to go to my Twitter, and then I my actual real URL is in my profile. You can just go there. So. Do that, please. Yes. I have to do that right now. All I'm right. going to do it oh, live on the show. Yeah, do it. There you go. Mm. First time. Um, and speaking of following stuff, if you haven't already, follow us on Press Podge Radio uh, at Twitter as well. You can see, like, for example, I wrote a scathing review of Max, A Curse of Brotherhood. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, you didn't like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because uh, so the, the co-worker that I have, I said, who hated Gone Home, I also hated Max, and we had determined that he just has no heart at all. He has no ability to have empathy for people and everything. Uh, but it's interesting to hear that you liked Gone Home but didn't like Max. No, I like games that actually work. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, like, um, between all the technical hiccups and all the stored cliches and, like, the fucking backyard script writing of some sort of cliched Pixar trope that they were trying to pick apart and all the other shit, no. That game... 
it, 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 it's well intended and it's well intended at best. I don't know. I, I have a review uh, already up on the site if you guys want to re read it. Um, and yeah, we've got other reviews coming. Ollie, Ollie, uh, Broken Age. Me, me and Toast, we are going to fucking go at it. What's better, Towerfall or Samurai Gun? Um, mm. The game got... you don't have to buy a separate system to play. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I just like digging on the Ouya. I'm sorry. Really to, to be fair, to be fair, Towerfall's coming to real consoles soon. So. Oh, oh shit! Damn I it. like this guy. I like this guy a lot. <laughs> Fuck everything. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'll get. I'll. I'll save it for the post. Uh, but yeah, we've got fucking tons of play plays hitting the site. Uh, I'm gonna be introducing our late to the party feature real soon. Uh, Pokemon Orphanage should be underway real soon. Sarah's in full swing with Bullet Heaven. Sarah, sell it away. It's true. Uh, Bullet Heaven is continuing and wrapping up its Famicom 5. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, we've covered B-Wings, Macross, Super Xevious, and a triple feature with three early Jellico games all on the Famicom. Uh, the, the last one is going to be pretty good, and then it's uh, from there it's the road to episode 100. So... Make sure to tune into that. Um, if you're not watching it here on the site, then you should be at least on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Seraxer. And uh, that'll bring up the main page on YouTube. But uh, aside from that, um, what, uh, oh yeah, if you happen to be in the Halifax area within the next little while, on the 15th of uh, February, we're going to be doing something at the last game store called Halifax Scramble. It is going to be the province's largest shmup meet in forever and a day. So make sure to check that out. There's going to be a Raiden Fighters Jet Tournament. All kinds of awesome prizes to be won. Sponsored, of course, by our friends at Rockin' Android. So make sure to come on out and uh, it's going to be a pretty rockin' time. Now, now can I ask real quick, because you, you, you just said shmup, and that's a very controversial word in some circles. Are you a pro shmup or you person or do you just not care about the word or? Uh, I only care about it when it's misspelled and misspoken. So don't ever say shump. <laughs> uh, uh, never spell it S-C-H-M-U-P. S-H-M-U-P uh, is the accepted term. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Most people hate that term. Just like those weird people hate Metroidvania. Uh, BT dubs I embrace I embrace the Metroidvania uh, I actually I'm anti castle roids you fucking say castle roids castle roids <laughs> who says castle roids I'm, I'm the taking people that who get that's punched in the neck oh uh, that sounds so how to I'm, say that's totally gonna be my thing now. venereal <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah you, you, it's something you go to the doctor for you know yeah <laughs> you just you get a punch in the neck that's what you're gonna get um Fair. but yeah speaking of YouTube Definitely. I mean, we've got tons of trailers and play plays coming out. Uh, Limelights. We've got Kirby's Dreamland Three. I'll be I'll be streaming that. Uh, I will also plan on streaming Tomb Raider Definitive Edition real soon uh, on our Twitch, so you guys can check that out uh, as we as we go ahead and stream the re-release of our 2013 Game of the Year for Golden Zonkey. And uh, finally, like, what else is it gonna fucking do? Oh. Oh, and then big project that we're going to try to arrange, but we're going to be also doing a limelight on the Super Mario 64 Green Demon Challenge. More on that. Uh, but also Facebook, Twitter, website, reviews, articles, uh, stuff, stuff. Fucking go crazy. Go mad. All you got to do is write. Yeah. Press pause radio and, tra and train. 
and train. Yeah, he's in, he's, in, he's like he's like the he's like the wait. It's you, me, Sarah. James doesn't count. So yeah, train's the fourth <laughs> chair. Train is the fourth chair on the show. There we go. Uh, but thank you again, Sadosh. I hope we we have you on again, and and maybe it's for more funsies talk and and can, not so can, much realties. Can talk. I come back and tell you guys why you were wrong about Tomb Raider? Ooh, Ooh. I would, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be down. I'd be down for that. that. Yeah, because you know you know like how you listen to podcasts sometimes and you're like sitting there like wanting to argue with the people that you're listening to even though you know they can't <laughs> hear you. Yeah, like that was one of the two times during your your countdown show that I wanted to argue with you. Guys. That's everyone that listens to the show. Sure. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're still. I have the luxury of being able to argue at, at will. <laughs> there we go. Um, but just just so you know, MGR is still better. So, no, that, oh, that, that, that's the other one. That's the other one. Oh my God, you were so wrong on that. <laughs> we're so uh, not though. We're uh, so not. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'd love to have you come back on and then and then me say how right I am with words <laughs> on a, on a on a broadcast like a podcast, no less. But we're gonna go ahead and bid adieu. Thank you guys so much for for coming to listen. And you know, as always, cool schmool.